0: Swamiji, many people are interested in spirituality, but they don't know where to start. They don't know what is true and what isn't. Do you have any advice for
1: people?
2: I would say to start looking at the heart. Don't think of, uh, for example, religion and spirituality, they're very different from each other. Spirituality is your inner consciousness, religion is your outward behavior. Spirituality begins when you start thinking, what is true? How can I find what life is all about? Where do I fit into the great picture? You don't have to think God right away, unless you already naturally do. But if you will think deeply what is true, you will find that gradually be led to the inevitability of there being a cosmic consciousness which is the truth of which we are all apart. And then I would say also it begins with anything that will uplift your heart. Turn it upward towards the. You know, if we look at ourselves, we'll notice there's some things that bring our energy downward hatred, anger, jealousy, greed, lust. These things take the mind down. When we think of serving other people, when we think of high ideals, when we think of beauty even, we Uh, our consciousness goes upward and so, or abstract beauty I should say, and so when the energy is moving upward you feel more joy, more freedom, more fulfillment, and this is all the direction of spirituality.
0: Can you recommend any books or
2: well, I would certainly recommend my Autobiography of a Yogi because that was the book that brought me to Yogananda and to my spiritual teacher. I really didn't know anything about Indian teachings until I read that book, and it absolutely changed my life. I read it, he was a vegetarian, all right, I gave up eating meat. He was a monk, all right, I would be a monk. And. Uh, uh, I took the next bus across the country from New York to Los Angeles and became his disciple.
0: What about the Bhagavad Gita? Would that I be have good? written
2: a commentary on the Gita. Well, if you want to go that far, why don't you add, uh, think of reading any one of my books. <laughs> I don't like to tout my own uh, product, but uh, certainly If you're asking me for answers, those answers are contained in my books.
1: Swami, I've heard it said that it is a blessing to be born into a religion, but a misfortune to die in one. What does that mean?
2: I think that if you're in a religion, then you're a Christian, or a Muslim, or a Hindu, or a Buddhist. You're separating yourself from other people. It's good to be born into a religion because that means that you're uh, getting a training or an upbringing that is somewhat God-related. But to die in it means to be, to die in the narrow walls of one religion. You have to go beyond religion and attain spirituality. This is what I've been trying to talk about.
0: Going back to the people who are searching for something true in their lives some sort of spiritual basis if they come across a teacher how do they know if it's a true teacher or not
2: well i have to say that you have to go with what you can understand nobody can go beyond what he can understand so if one person inspires you then follow him until you find somebody who inspires you more deeply but there comes a time when you know that this person is going to lead you to God, he has everything that you could possibly want, and that would be what we would call your Guru.
1: And his role is what?
2: His role is to help, okay, the Guru Guru, it says in the Bible, as many as received him, to them gave he a power to become the sons of God. To receive Jesus does not mean simply to sign on the line, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or whatever it might be. It means to receive his consciousness into yourself. He is free from ego. We have to get rid of this sense of separateness. We have to get rid of the sense of the separateness of a religion, the separateness of ego, the separativeness of nation, Consciousness and race consciousness, all these things that divide human beings, and we have to understand that everything is a manifestation of God. And so we must get over the thought of uh, ego, the thought that I am an individual. God dreamed your ego, and when you have attained the realization that he is everything and he is your higher self, your lower self is that part of you that says, "I like eggs for breakfast." And I, uh, I do get angry, but I can't help it. And it's, uh, uh, I, I, I'm an American, or I'm a Frenchman, or I'm an Indian. All these things that define us as individuals—they're wrong. We're not that individual. We're the infinite who has dreamed that particular role. To get rid of ego consciousness is to realize that. God is our true Self. Now, a guru is one who has attained that state and can pass that, that view of reality onto you as you cannot using your own ego, because the ego is already infected by the disease of limitation. Mm-hmm.
1: Swami, what aspects of what qualities of that higher self are there, so that we know when we're accessing it that that is the higher self? I'd
2: say when you feel more free in yourself, but free could be ego. I'm just as good as anybody else. That's not what I mean. It's a freedom that is self-expanding, not self-confining. You. It's a freedom also that has joy in it, bliss in it. When you feel this bliss, but then there's also a certain kind of pleasure, at least, in revenge, in anger, in hatred. so that alone is not a definition. But when that bliss is a free and kind and self-expanding kind, I think that comes as close to defining as I'm able to do.:
1: And maybe there's no way to define it anyway. It has to uh,
2: yeah, because you have to experience it. So, I mean, how can you know what? I know somebody used to go up into the mountains of Switzerland at suntime so he could enjoy the beautiful brown sunsets. And he was colorblind. Well, how can a colorblind person tell you that Johans is between blue and violet, let's say.
1: Swami, so, mean, what is the best way to pray?
2: I would say don't pray for yourself. Pray for God's love. I, I will never pray for myself. I had a very interesting test of that one time. Suddenly I had a kidney stone attack and my body was shaking like a leaf. People wanted to take me down to the hospital and I, the thought of the winding roads I was living up in the mountains, I just couldn't bear that thought. But I was shaking and I had the Sunday service to give it was Sunday morning, it was nine o'clock in the morning. And for an hour and 45 minutes, I just sat there and shook. I couldn't speak, I was in such pain. I know women who have had children and had kidney stone attacks, say the kidney stone attack is much more painful. Anyway, about quarter to 11, I looked at my watch and I, I said, well, I certainly can't give the service. I was supposed to give the sermon that day. And I said, Well, Divine Mother, I think of God as my divine mother. I said, I don't want to pray for myself, but if you want me to give this service, then you're gonna to have to take this pain away. <laughs> and I prayed that way. And the pain was taken away just like that. In the length of time that it takes my hand to move, it went away. And it was replaced by such an intense joy that I could hardly speak anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But when, when we pray for God's love, that's the greatest prayer. Help me to know to love you as you love me. Mm-hmm. I know I said this to my, I prayed this way one time, and my guru, who knew every thought that I thought, said to me after when he saw me next, he said, how can the little cup hold the whole ocean?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now there's his love for me it was cosmic. Mine was based on ego.
1: How, did you understand that immediately? I did, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, but what do you do to make that little cup turn into?
2: Well, just offer it up mm-hmm. to God. The ego is what is the cup. You have to overcome the ego. I remember one time I was sitting meditating and uh, I just thought of my ego and I just had a certain amount of intellectual pride and And uh, I just, with great willpower, I said, I'm sick of this. And I really, with great energy, I threw this ego out the window, you might say. And I felt an amazing freedom. I went out from my meditation and I saw Yogan understanding above the tennis court, looking over the city of Los Angeles. And I knelt for his blessing. And he patted me on the head. He said, very good. So he knew what I'd been going through.
0: So that uh, dispelling of the ego requires tremendous willpower.
2: Well, it, it's one way, I, th- I think that it does, but I can only speak from my own. I've never felt the temptation to pride from that moment on.
0: Are there other ways of overcoming the ego?
2: I don't know, because this has been my way and my, my experience is limited. Would um,
0: surrender Yes, I I was going
2: to say surrender and love. I think love is perhaps the most important thing. When you really love, you forget yourself. True love is self-surrender. True love is self-giving. True love doesn't think of what it will get, but what it can give. And so, in true love, there's this surrender, yes. Self-offering is a nicer word because surrender We think of, well, you've got me in a corner, I can't help it, I just have to surrender. It's a self-offering, that you don't do it under any compulsion at all. You just uh, feel that I don't want this, I want to give it to you. The greatest gift that you can give to God is the gift of your own ego and your own desires. When you feel in your heart the desire to know him, Then you will know what it is to really love. God loves us that way. He loves us without condition. We have to love him unconditionally, no matter how he treats us. And he will give us tests, he will give us trials, we've got to prove ourselves to him. And so it's true that there are tests. Living for God, Yogananda said, is martyrdom. But when you really love him, then you find a great freedom inside.